Hey friends, Devin Webb here. I'm the pastor here at Connect Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray this encourages and inspires you, brings you hope, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Well, hey everybody, and welcome to week two of At The Movies. Hope y'all are enjoying your popcorn and your candy. Hey, nice shirt, by yeah, nice the way. Uh, I think it looks better on you. You might be thinking to yourself, why are you and Pastor Todd teaching from a football stadium? Well, this week, he and I will be teaching in and out of several clips from one of our favorite yeah. movies, Great. Remember the Titans. It's a good one. If you haven't seen it, I'd recommend it to you. For those of you that are new and you're wondering, what is At The Movies all about? Well, movies are simply modern day parables. Jesus often taught using stories to illustrate a faith lesson that helped people to have a greater understanding of God and how to walk with Him, which is exactly what we're hoping to do today with this movie. We're gonna to try to extract some scriptural truths from the movie and then find some redemptive messages in them. Remember the Titans is based on a true story. It takes place in the heart of the Confederate South in Alexandria, Virginia. Up until 1971, there was no race mixing. People's lives were completely segregated. It was at this point that the local school board made the decision to integrate the schools. They combined the white school and the black school into one, and it was called T.C. Williams High School. The city of Alexandria was extremely divided and on the verge of imploding. Of course, the decision to combine the schools not only impacted the classrooms, but the sports programs, and more specifically, the football program, which in a place where football was God was a pretty big deal. During this movie, we get to follow the complicated journey of each individual as they stumble their way through unprecedented times and they are forced to deal with the reality of what resides on the inside of them, their preferences, their perceptions, and yes, even their prejudices. Coach Yost is faced with a choice. Does he stay and allow Coach Boone to be the head coach and serve on his staff, lay down his pride, allowing for people to see an example of solidarity and humility, or does he leave? causing even more strife and division and potentially dividing not only the school, but the entire city. It's not what he had planned. It's not how he saw his future playing out. He was one year away from being voted into the Virginia High School Hall of Fame. And now here he is trying to decide if he wants to serve on another coach's staff, a black coach at that. Have you ever had something not go the way you thought it was going to go? Well, of course you have. We all have, because we all have plans. Proverbs 16 verse nine says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. We make plans, don't we? We like our plans. We buy our full focus planners and we lay out how the next year is going to play out and we plug in the numbers to our spreadsheet and everything balances and we have everything lined up and set up. Just stick to the plan. Do not deviate. Do not look to the left or the right or consider any other possibility. We make our plans and God moves us towards purpose. And the way that he does that is through us being willing to take a step. Purpose, it's accomplished 
one step at a time. Purpose doesn't happen overnight, but here's the kicker. Sometimes God's purpose doesn't line up with our plans. What do you do when God's purpose for your life isn't in your plans? It's not what I planned, God. That's not how I thought this was going to work. That's not how the spreadsheet was supposed to balance. That's not what my timeline says. Are you open to God disrupting your plans? Does God have the freedom in your life to interrupt you? Or are you too busy doing your plan? Could it be that God would want to do something greater, maybe even something better, more impactful, something beyond what you could ever dream or imagine? Could it be that His purpose for your life is different but better than what you had planned. Coach Yost, he had a decision to make. In the end, he decides to stay for the good of the boys, or at least that's what he says, when in reality, what he doesn't know is that it's for his good. This decision is going to do just as much in him as it does in his players. Coach Boone knows that he has some work to do, he knows that he has a skeptical assistant coach. He knows that he has generations of bias and prejudice that he's facing. He also knows that a divided team will be a losing team. It's actually a biblical thought. Jesus said in Mark chapter 3 that if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. By the way, that's why the devil is constantly trying to divide us. He knows that a house divided cannot stand. And I just want to remind all of us this morning that there's something going on beyond what we see. Of course the devil doesn't want the church of God to be united because if we're not united, we can't stand. And if we can't stand, we can't defeat him. So let me just say this, don't be surprised by the divisive tactics of the devil. He's always trying to divide, bring discourse and division. And in some cases, he's being successful. He uses things like fear, social media, race, and politics. The devil loves it when we value policy and partisanship over people. And Jesus' prayer for us before he left this earth was that we would be united. In praying to his heavenly Father in John 17, he said, Now I am departing from the world. They are staying. My disciples are staying in the world, but I'm coming to you, he says to his Father. Holy Father, you've given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. He goes on to say, I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them. You are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. What a prayer. The last sentence in that prayer is incredibly powerful. And it's not just a statement, it's Jesus' desire for us. Of all of the things that Jesus could have prayed before he left this earth, this was the one thing most pressing 
on his heart and on his mind. And I just want you to notice why Jesus longs for us to be in perfect unity. He said, so that the world will know that God sent his son and that he loves them as much as he loves Jesus. That was the result that Jesus was longing for. Here's the first thought on unity. Unity is attractive. There's a bigger purpose. There's more at stake. There are people that will make decisions about God based upon our unity. Our unity and the way that we love one another is the thing that will attract people to God. Unity, it's a big deal in the kingdom and it should be our calling card. It should be our distinctive of the church. And unfortunately, it's gotten to the place where we have let what divides us become what defines us. And it's long past time for what unites us to be what describes us. And His name, everybody, is Jesus. Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, listen to this, Jesus is all that matters and He lives in all of us. We don't have to agree on every position, but we do agree on a person and His name is Jesus. And we've got to get back to what unites us, not what divides us. Coach Boone knows that a divided house cannot stand. He knows that the status quo is not going to get them their desired outcome, which is a state championship, which is going to require some serious intentionality on his part and some tearing down of lifelong perceptions and opinions. We all have moments in our lives, some seemingly small and insignificant and some that are life altering. Moments when we have to decide, and this is really what it comes down to, am I going to lay down my pride for the bigger good that could take place, or am I going to make it about me? The world, it says to jockey for position and to climb over people, and it says that greatness is rising in the ranks, but God's kingdom works differently. Jesus said, among you, it should be different. You should be willing to serve and put others ahead of yourself. We need to take a different mindset. We need to walk into environments, not thinking about our position in the room, but our service to the room. You see, greatness is not a journey to rise in the ranks. Greatness is a journey to help those around us rise. Great leaders see everyone in the room. Poor leaders only notice those who notice them. Paul, in Philippians chapter 2, one of my favorite passages of Scripture says this, Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside. Help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Paul would say, consider others more important than yourself. Value others. Put others First, he goes on to say in verse 5, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Even Jesus 
didn't use his position as an excuse not to serve and to put others first. He didn't use his equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. He made himself nothing. And the Bible says that we should have the same mindset, the same approach. Verse 8 says, He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. You see, unity requires humility. Unity. It's going to require us laying down some things. It's going to require us putting ourselves aside. First Peter chapter 3, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted. Keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you, but instead pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and He will grant you His blessing if you do it. It should be different among us. This is what God is calling us to do. The Titans weren't there yet. They were still a group of individuals pretending to be a team. They were still jockeying for position, control, and unwilling to lay down their preferences and their biases. The things were about to take a turn. And it all starts with an early morning run through the woods that ended up at the hollowed grounds of Gettysburg. Coach Boone says, take a lesson from the dead. If we don't come together, we too will be destroyed, just like they were. I don't care if you like each other, he says, but you will respect each other. Next thought on unity, unity is a choice. The Titans, they had to make a choice. Are we going to continue to allow our differences to divide us? Is that what we're going to be known by and defined by? or? Will we choose to find common ground? Are we going to be a team? Or are we just going to be a bunch of individual players that just happen to be on the same field? John Wooden, the famous coach, said, Individuals win trophies, but teams win championships. The same choice has to be made in the church. Are we going to be individuals? Or are we going to be a team? All throughout Scripture, there weren't people doing their own thing and individual projects and starting their own charities. They were always coming together and collectively collaborating. The question is, why? And the answer is, because we can always accomplish so much more and do it better together. Here's the way we like to say it. More gets done when we're not worried about who gets the credit. And here's the deal. We all have a role to play. Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 says, you are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. Julius and Bartir had to come to terms with their role on the team. They had to come to the realization that they actually needed each other in order to succeed. They realized that there was strength in the accountability of each player doing their part. Question, do you know what your part is? Don't you want to be a part of something more effective? Don't you want your life to be more effective? We all do. But can I tell you something? 
In order for that to happen, it's going to require you to make a choice. And that choice is this. I can't stay isolated and disconnected. I have to go on the journey of discovering my role within the collective whole of the body. Devin, how do I do that? I'm so glad you asked. Go to DNA. Go on the journey of discovering your role, your part. Can I tell you something? As you do that, not only will you be more fulfilled, but the body will be more effective. Paul, earlier in the same chapter, he says, for no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you're a part of. What we have is one body with many parts, each proper size and its proper place. No part is important on its own. It's what you are a part of that makes it significant. Paul would go on to say that the parts mutually depend on each other. By myself, I'm not as effective. But when I understand my role and I connect to others and who understand their role and together we work towards a common goal, there's power in our choice to live in unity. As the team comes back from camp, they realize that the community of Alexandria hasn't changed one bit. Just because they had come together as a team didn't mean that the rest of the world would suddenly now be supportive. In fact, the people of Alexandria were almost more resistant. Beyond that, unbeknownst to Coach Boone, an ultimatum was made. Don't lose or else. There were plans behind the scenes to oust him if there was just one loss. And in the midst of that, Jerry Bertier was on his own journey. In spite of everything that he had been told, in spite of all that he had seen and experienced, he had to discover for himself that the isolated, segregated life that he had grown up in and actually come to love was very small-minded, limited. But on the other side of that, there was so much more waiting for him. Unity doesn't come easy. You have to be committed to it. In fact, you have to fight for it. It requires difficult, awkward conversation and our willingness to get uncomfortable. It requires sitting across the table from people that you disagree with on certain things and yet still honoring one another. It requires us asking questions and listening and gaining understanding. It requires an investment of our time and energy. It doesn't just happen. Quite simply, unity is hard work. James chapter 3 says you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other and treating each other with dignity and honor. Oh, that we would be a church that fights for unity, that doesn't just take the easy way out, that doesn't just bounce when it gets hard. I mean, it's easy to come up with another reason why we should remain divided and bitter and offended. And I get it. I've had that thought. It's just not worth it. It's going to be too painful. It's going to not make a difference. It's only going to make it worse. Believe me, I've been there. Maybe you're there right now. But Ephesians 4 says that we are to make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Unity, it's gonna require us to make every effort. 
It's going to call us to something more, to go the extra mile, to make the phone call, to send the text. My concern, though, is that too many believers have become comfortable with the distance, and we're allowing that distance to cause division. And I think people in the church have gotten comfortable with it. And it's exactly what the devil wants, because the devil owns all of the territory between divided people. And I think he's owned too much territory in our lives for far too long. Distance distorts, but closeness brings clarity. But closeness doesn't just happen. Unity, it's hard work. Julius and Batir, they'd done the hard work. They didn't just allow their differences to define them. They pressed through the awkward, uncomfortable moments. They made the choice. They humbled themselves. They accepted their individual roles and they put the team first. And the result was a bond that could not be broken. The Titans went on to win the state championship. They finished the season 13-0, the perfect season. They were the first runner-up for the national championship, second best high school team in the country. And what we learned from that is this, unity is unstoppable. The truth is, a unified people empowered by the Spirit of God is an unstoppable force. The devil is scared of unity. He doesn't fear a large church, he fears a unified church. He hates unity. In fact, he'll do whatever he has to do to keep us from it. You remember the Tower of Babel in Genesis? These people had decided to build a tower to God, and although it wasn't properly motivated, they were doing this to make their name great. Look at what God says. He comes down, he looks at the city, sees the tower, and he says, look, the people are united, and they all speak the same language, and after this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Oh, if only we knew what we were capable of when we're unified. Which is why the devil is not only trying to separate us from God, but he's violently trying to separate us from one another. Because he knows that God's people would be unstoppable if we were to become unified. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. The devil knows this. He knows that if we pursue and experience authentic community, that you will be less likely to fall. He knows that you will not be as susceptible to his attacks. He knows that you can conquer. He knows that you will not be easily broken. Well, no wonder he hates unity. I want to say something to you. You are not as effective by yourself as you think you are. Neither am I. That's why you need to be in a group. They launched last week. You can still get in one. Hey, listen, you need a church. You need a group. It doesn't have to be here, but it needs to be somewhere. Two of us coming together in the name of the Lord is more effective than one of us with the best intentions. Let me say it this way. Alone is the easiest way to get attacked by the enemy, but unified is the wisest way to bring an assault on the enemy. There isn't anything that we can't accomplish together. 
when we humble ourselves and make the choice to live in unity, when we do the hard work with God's Spirit empowering us and leading us and equipping us, we are unstoppable. This is exactly what the Titans experienced. And at the end of it all, Coach Boone and Coach Yost realized that it was more than a game. They weren't just winning at football. Whether they had won the state championship or not, the truth is the Titans had already won the bigger battle, the battle for unity. Psalm 133 verse one, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. For there, where? Where we live in unity, it's there that God bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. You've got to get this. When you make the choice to live together in unity, God bestows his blessing there. He commands and releases his eternal blessing. It's in our unity that God's anointing and blessing can reign. Jesus in Matthew 18, he said this, I tell you, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, listen to Jesus, he says, I am there among them. Jesus says, where you agree, where you come together, where there's unity, I am there. God's presence, his favor, his blessing, his anointing resides when we're in unity. But it's a choice and it's gonna require humility. It's gonna be hard work, but if we're united, there isn't anything that God can accomplish through us. His kingdom will be advanced. More will get done. And can I tell you, the world will take notice and they will be attracted to the God in us because of our willingness and our effort to not let our differences define us and because of our choice to live in unity. Let me pray for you today. Lord, we recognize today more than ever that the devil is trying to divide us. He's using all kinds of things to cause division in our lives. Forgive us, God, for putting policy and position over people. Forgive us for forcing people to choose a side and for isolating people. It's our unity that brings your anointing, your refreshing, your blessing. What could we do, Lord, if we truly became unified? Help us. Help us not to get comfortable with the distance. Help us to not be okay with the divide. Help us to close the gap, God. Forgive us for judging. Forgive us for our biases. Forgive us for listening to the devil's version of people. May we be the ambassadors of reconciliation that you've called us to be. We humble ourselves, God. Help us to pursue understanding so that we can truly have empathy for our brothers and sisters. Father, as Jesus prayed, I pray that you'd make us one. May we be a reflection of the unity that you have with the Son and the Spirit. May we experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent your Son and that you love them. May we sow seeds of peace so that we can reap a harvest of justice. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in to the Connect Church podcast. Just wanted to say a special thanks to those of you that give so generously, make this ministry possible. 
If you enjoyed the message, you can hit subscribe, share it with your friends, or even on your social stories. Thanks again for listening, and we pray God's direction and favor over your life today.